is The Tortoise, the podcast that digs deep into the possibilities of slow. I am your host, Brooke McCallery, and I am joined by my husband and co-host, Ben McCallery. Hi. To eagle-eared listeners, mm. that's a term, that's a that's a common term. Eagles have ears. Yeah. That's a slight tweak on your normal intro. Yeah, I was thinking about it this week, actually, when I was preparing to record, and I don't know, there was something about... The word possibility that feels more in line with the word with the whole idea. What was of, it before? Like uh, digs deep into the power of slow. I think, mm-hmm. uh, and it's definitely powerful. But I like the word possibilities or maybe potential. I don't know. Anyway, change it up. Yeah. Hi. Power, possibilities, and potential. That's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> Hi. Hey, going. I'm all right. How are you? Good, good. This is our third episode in the, yeah, and then in the new world of podcasts. And let me just say, we are thrilled with the feedback we've got from new and old listeners, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, via email, via the website and reviews for those people who have been kind enough to leave uh, either updated reviews or new ones. It's just been really lovely, you know, a lot of people saying kind of similar to how we've been feeling that it was time for a change and that this change seems to be hitting right. I know it is for us. Yeah. So it's really, it's just lovely. So anyone who's gotten in touch or left a review or, uh, you know, left a comment over on the tortoise, thank you. It's been really nice to, to be back and to be heard and yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, Yeah, I'm doing it a lot. Very appreciative. Of, of all of that. Mm-hmm. Now, we've got a bit of a jam-packed episode uh, that we need to get through. A, don't stop. Yeah, don't like you it. stop, stop. Uh, we're going to talk, well, a, a few different things, but like our topic and we, every episode we have like a central theme or topic that mm-hmm. we like to explore. And for this month, it's all about the sandwich generation. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to just firstly... I'd, I'd known of the term before, right? Yes. Like I, I knew about it, I, I'd read about it and heard about it years and years ago. And it talked about middle-aged people, essentially. That's, that's, the, that's the sandwich generation. But why are they it's, sandwiched? It's not the definition. I'll get to that okay. very, very shortly. But I'm like, oh, sandwich generation. I've got kids and parents. I don't feel sandwiched. So this was, you know, like a decade ago, mm-hmm. I, I was feeling like, yeah, you know. I get the term, but I'm not really. I, I don't see it myself. It didn't relate. No, it didn't mm-hmm. relate to me, until this year, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I very acutely <laughs> am aware of what the gener- of what the sandwich generation is, what it means, and and how it feels. So, the definition is uh, middle-aged people, mm-hmm. very rough term, yep. that have and care for a younger generation, so kids, Mm -hmm. as well as an older generation slash parents. Yep. So young, so uh, take care of, look after from a non-financial and financial point of view. Mm -hmm. In some capacity. In whatever capacity that is. Yep, okay. That's essentially what the sandwich generation is. And the sandwich refers to like being the meat. Or the jam in the sandwich. Nice one. Uh, yeah. And sort of the pressures, the pressures that are involved in that is sort of the defining idea about the sandwich generation. generation. It's rather than not just saying this is where you lie in in between generations, but rather you're feeling squashed. Pressured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think pressure is is probably the word that I would hmm. use to describe it. Um, not just speaking personally either, just I feel like we and lots of people we know um, are in that period or just by virtue of our age and stages of life in a big sh- in a big shift of seasons. Hmm. 
towards perhaps more of that that particular kind of pressure or those two kinds of pressures. Yeah, and I think I think it's something that's still quite new to us. I mean, I did a bit of reading about the the term sandwich generation and it applies to anyone from their 30s through to their 60s yep. really that's and what i found as well yeah. yeah and i think that you know people are having children later as well so it used to just mm-hmm. be middle-aged and to me middle age was 40 yep smack bang that's like once you're middle-aged once you're 40 you're middle-aged and then i turned 40 and i'm like me i'm not happy about that <laughs> uh yeah, so that's a lo- like that's a long period of time for people. That's a it huge is. amount of that's a huge chunk of life yep. to be feeling those pressures. And the more I've been reflecting on it cuz you were the one who brought it up to me a while back. Um and I've been reflecting on it a lot and reflecting on like my own parents experiences raising me and my sisters while also caring for their parents who all had, you know, various health issues over the years before they passed away and it's given me a huge amount of empathy and understanding for what life was like for them that I wasn't aware of at the time um yeah so that that's kind of I'm finding myself quite um I feel quite conflicted talking about this to be perfectly honest why because you and I have both gone through things with um, parents in the last couple of years that have been really challenging. And I know you're sort of staring down the runway towards perhaps more challenging times. And yet we are very fortunate, you and I, mm. in terms of our circumstances, the way that you and I work, the way that our relationship works and the way that we've structured it that we've both got both of our parents still alive and still in good health. They're still very active. Uh, so we're not – I'm nervous to feel like I'm comparing where we're at with challenges and demands that other people deal with. That's yeah, all. And, and I guess it refers back to the, the definition we gave around sandwich de- yep, generation right. in that like it impacts – three decades of people yep. potentially. Okay. So, you know, it's very broad and it and it and it can, you know, impact like a in 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 a in a financial sense, it can impact in a time, like time sense or a caregiver sense. Like there's a there's a lot of different influences sure. on there's a lot of different ingredients in this sandwich huh? oh oh Ooh. oh okay we're going like sandwich analogy we are I like we're it. gonna go deep into the sandwich analogy okay so like a triple layer like a triple deck sandwich tri- well i mean yeah if you if you like that <laughs> if you're a big fan of bread exactly actually let's just Ask this question before we get too further into this discussion. What's your favourite type of sandwich? <laughs> okay. Oh, this is quite appropriate, actually. I'm currently having having to eat gluten. Yes. Uh, so I'd been like gluten-free for quite some time, health reasons, and I'm having to eat gluten for at least the next couple of months, so I'm quite enjoying it. Embracing the sandwich. Embracing the too, sandwich. Yeah. Love a toasted sandwich. Yeah. Uh, and first thing or that comes... pressed, pressed sandwich. I guess. Yeah. Is that what it is in North America or is it a toasted sandwich? Like a toasty? Yeah, toasty. Yeah. Yeah. I like a cheese toasty on the side of a tomato soup. I also love indigestion apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the first thing that's come to mind. I've had some good sandwiches. Okay. Best sandwich I think I've ever had was at a sandwich shop in BC – British called, Columbia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Called Hoss and Jill's. Yep. I remember it so oh well. Oh my God. So our friend Catherine told us about it and I loved Catherine before, but I love her even more for recommending this sandwich. Best sandwich I've ever had. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, totally forget, the, about I forget the name of the town, but it was like, you know, when you get a ferry across one of Somewhere the lakes. Somewhere between. Revelstoke and. and Nelson. Yeah. British Hoss Columbia. and Jill's. Shout out. Hope they survived 
like the shop survived through COVID. Yep. <laughs> big fan. I'm a big Yours? fan of like the Italian sub hero oh. type sandwich. Okay. Like the big, yeah, like the. Like a meatball? No, 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 not meatball. Like, you know, salami and like ham, like all the different sorts okay. of deli meats, which I think I actually had at Hoss and Jill's. Okay. So, oh. Unreal, like with pickles yes. and like it's got to have the relishes on yes. it and like this dressing. I could just happily have a condiment sandwich. Condiment sandwich. With like mustard and relish and pickles. In fact, when we do hot dogs, you have a condiment hot dog. Right. Well, I don't eat meat. So, yeah, um, yeah. It's, I, it's true. I do. If I don't have like tempeh or something in the fridge to put in the oven, I will have a cheese and condiment roll. <laughs> Anyway, so this is this now is a gourmet. Me so hungry, this is n- and I just had lunch. Moving on, Captain so sandwich. The of the sort of articles I've read about the sandwich generation, all of them have spoken about how it impacts women more. Yes, or they're, the, have, they're yep. the ones that are more involved. Mm-hmm. Is that your understanding as well? In a stereotypical sense, yes. Yeah, and I completely understand why. If you're looking at domestic load, um, if you're looking at like heteronormative relationships and you know dynamics, then you've stereotypically again got women who are doing the vast majority of caring, unpaid caring, yep. and women are also brought up to believe that that is a role that they should be assuming, um, and we're told that we can and should be doing it all and that feels like a lot before you've got kids and then you've got kids and then perhaps your parents get older and then you start to take on some responsibilities for them and their care and suddenly you're looking and you're like your plate was full before any of that now where's all the extra going you know Mm. and that's where we see a lot of women talking about the um, absence of self-care the Uh, financial impact of that the mental health impact of that the physical health impact of that you know when you're not when you're when you're under pressure when you're stressed when you're um, experiencing challenges like that it will impact things like your ability to sleep well yeah and when you're not sleeping well you're fatigued yep your health takes a hit you then perhaps don't have the time or energy to eat as well as you would like to which then impacts your ability to exercise you know and the flow-on effect is very real uh, and I think that, again, stereotypically, that stuff affects women more because we're taught through lots of different channels that in order to be a good, compassionate, caring woman, we put ourselves last. Mm. I'm not saying that's the case in our home, mm-hmm. um, but I am saying that there is a reason that there, that stereotype exists and it's incredibly challenging for people. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? Because I know you're someone who has taken great lengths, like you've gone to great lengths to shift that dynamic in our house, in our relationship. Yeah, and we, and definitely in in this house, but also now trying to extend that into sort of my broader family mm. in in acknowledging that. And I've got a sister. I'm one of four, um, the oldest of four. Um, kids youngest is a sister who's just had a baby Mm -hmm. and so the the pressure and 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 fatigue and you know just the whole you know being in the in the thick of it right when you when you have a baby and then uh to think that my sister would then have to like drive the whole parents and and sort of you know sorting out my parents retirement and mm-hmm. aged care and you know financial issues like all that sort of stuff like I didn't want that to happen so sure. I've tried to I tried to have a more active role in it early on um and and um yeah, just to try and and because geographically she's quite close to them as well. Right? Yeah. So that that's an extra layer there where I'm kind of more removed. So much to your, I guess, um, like not frustration, but you're like you're wanting me to. 
be balanced. I'm I'm probably biting off more than I can chew there on my my parents' side of things of the of the sandwich, the top layer of the sandwich. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you're also the eldest. Yeah, you know, and I think that's would that's a big yeah big factor. I think that like birth order typically tends to impact those sorts of things. Um, you know, I looked at the same in in my family. And we all, based on the order of birth, we all have like our different roles and our different strengths. Yeah. Uh, and for you, it's very much you take ownership of that, mm. um, of, you know, getting stuff done. And yeah. I also think that you and I, for whatever reason, maybe it is like this, the, the slow living journey we've been on over the last 15 years or so, where quite attuned to the idea of getting ahead of things like I know we've spoken about our health journeys over the last couple of years and how we really like probably the biggest driving force behind us wanting to focus on our health is that we want to age well Mm. and I know that through a certain lens that can sound like almost fatalistic it's like you're 40 you're 41 you're not old you don't need to worry about it yeah and I get that yeah I'm not trying to be older than we are but I think you and I both for whatever reasons want to head off some of the the worst that can happen Mm. now you know and build uh, those patterns and build those those muscles literally and figuratively and do you think that us engaging with this idea of the sandwich generation is also (laughs) that was my favorite way of saying thanks do you think that's also part of maybe mine and your tendency to think ahead? Like mm. we're trying to min- minimize yeah. the impact I, of that? I think there's there's definitely a number of what I would call slow living influences mm. on the way we're, we're going about things. And reading some articles on sandwich generation and what like experts, and I'm talking about doctors and psychologists and all the rest of mm-hmm. it, are sort of recommending people do that are in the sandwich generation i'm like well thankfully we've de- we've been there and we kind of understand some of this and so it thing it's things like yeah thinking 10 years in a right in the future what yeah. does that look like what are the things we need to do now to, for that to be realized 10 years down the track right things like extracurricular activities that kids do mm-hmm. as you know being in the sandwich generation, you, you could do something every day of the week. Sure. With, yeah. you know, like you know, sport and music and you just name it. But by li- by limiting that or or, or, or or getting kids to just sort of recognise what they really want to do yeah. rather than us pushing them into things that we think they should be doing, yep. that's balance, right? Like mm. that just creates balance and it frees us up to be able to then look at the other side of the sandwich for some of our time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we're not tilting so far over that the sandwich and ingredients fall. <laughs> oh my God. So what we're really looking for is a toothpick. <laughs> Slow living is the toothpick. Oh, okay. All right. I like it. Yeah. I, I can dig that. I think, yeah. Okay. So I think that it's impossible for us to unpack the last 15 years of learnings and lessons and experiments from where we are now. And I'm very grateful for what we have done and what we have learned and what we've experimented with, Yeah, you know, Um, none of that has stopped what I have seen mounting in you, which is pressure. I, I feel like, and I already said that pressure is sort of the, word that I would use at the moment and it I feel like along the way you have absorbed the idea that now this kind of era this decade of life in our 40s is when we should be at our maximum earning capacity, earning capacity you know, and contribution to the society right um influences on your kids like it you you look look at it and it, and it's this age is just you're just bombarded with that. Yeah, right. Stuff because yeah. I mean, you look at beyond work, which is by far the biggest time and energy 
contributor to how you're feeling at the moment. There is also obviously the parenting and wanting to do that well. Mm. And um, I feel like our generation as parents and carers have absorbed the idea very deeply that we need to be as present and as engaged in our kids' upbringing as possible. Like, of course, that's that sounds great and it is great and I agree with it. However, what that looks like now compared to what that would have looked like 20 years ago or 30 years ago as a parent is very different. I'm not saying easier or harder, it's just different. Mm. And I think it's very hard to not um, take on board a lot of expectations and shoulds and judgments, uh, you know, from the multiple inputs into our lives, media, social media, older generations who are far more engaged than their older generations were. Mm. You know, I think that when you look at our parents, they're far more engaged with the world and with, you know, parenting and with, uh, you know, what the challenges facing kids are than their parents were from my understanding, from my experience, you know, I feel like people, when they got older back in the day, they just, they got older and maybe their worlds got smaller. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Be something like that. Whereas now I don't think that that applies to older generations, you know, typically. Mm. Well, working much longer, working much longer, a hundred. Yeah. And Still being able to contribute to society in other ways when you're much older yeah. now compared to previous years. And I think that like... Generations, te- the, I should say. The role of technology in that can't be understated because they, to me, they used to feel like there was a huge generation gap between, you know, between generations. I don't feel like that is nearly as prevalent anymore. I mean, there are, there are holes in understandings and that's as it should be, I think. But I think that the world is much smaller now. Um, in a different way to what I said before, like things don't feel so out of reach Mm. based on your age. Yeah. Um, So all of that for me, it it adds up to a sense of pressure. Like you've really got to do it right because we've got all the information and we're all aware. And so, you know, parenting, that's a huge part of it. But then there's a big conversation about, as you said, contribution. So I know you and I feel very much, um, I I say obligated, but I don't mean it in a negative way. Um, We feel very much part of communities and believe that you Mm. need to show up, Mm. you know. So that for us is, it's volunteering, it's time, energy, effort going into various programs over the past few years. And yeah, it's... When I look at all of that through the lens of slow living, I I get really um, I find it difficult to like to separate out like the shoulds that are positive <laughs> shoulds and the shoulds that are negative shoulds and how much of it like there's a certain level of guilt almost that comes with it when I look at it through this lens of slow living. Um, and I'm just sitting with that for a while because I, what I think all of this adds up to for you and I and a lot of people in a similar stage of life is it's a transition into another season. Yeah. And transitions are messy and they're painful and they don't happen overnight. Like it's going to take a while. So I'm just trying to sit with it all and knowing that on the other side of it, at some point, I'll look back and recognize that all of this has shifted. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I'm rambling. It's good. You're processing it. And uh, thinking about that and knowing your personality, there's no wonder you feel guilt, right? Because that's just part of your being. But at least you're out there in the game. Like you're actually doing it. Like mm. you're, you're in the trenches. You're, you're doing the work. Mm. Whereas if you feel guilt the other way when you're like, I should have, should be doing this, it would be totally different, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I guess that that's an important important distinction to make Mm. what other do you feel any other pressures at the moment like you know we've got parenting we've got community stuff we've got work we've got uh being part of a larger family and what that looks like parenting yeah 
Do you have any others that things that feel like pressure points for you or that have changed and become more obvious? I guess it's the the whole and it's going back to like being in your 40s and this is the time that you know your earning capacity is at the highest and all that sort of stuff. Who says that by the way? I don't know I read it somewhere. Okay sorry go on. Um, it was I, it was connected to the Australian census that happened recent right, last yeah. year and they said they identified I think 43 as like this magic year where you know all those factors mm-hmm. contribute to um, anyway, I'll link it in the show notes to this episode, sure. perhaps, if I can find it again. But uh, it's what's what's my legacy going to be? Mm. Like really think about like what what am I going to leave the world in mm. at, uh, mm-hmm. after I've come off the pinnacle or the top of, of my you know, existence, you know, like I'm trying to, like I'm, it, it, I feel like I'm moving into the stage where it's sort of like, this is what I'm going to do when I, when I reach this age and I want to be this, like all that goal orientated stuff about I want to run my own business, I'll tick, mm-hmm. you know, like travel overseas and work tick, do, you know, do all that sort of stuff. Now it's more like, oh, like what do I want my grandchildren to be proud of or? Mm-hmm. recognize who I am and what I do it's that sort of next phase so that's a pressure for me at the moment is like mm. what is ne- what is the next thing that I'm going to do right hmm. do you feel expectations and like shoulds around what that should look like well, it should be successful okay it should be uh it should make a huge difference oh no pressure. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's that sort of, you know, big picture sort of stuff. But, yeah, it's it's just something that I need to sort of explore and sit with and feel uncomfortable with for the time being. But I feel, really feel like in a transition period, and it's little wonder, like, you were in our, we're in our 40s, right? Sure. So it's going to happen. Uh, but it's just about, yeah, like, what's, what's, what's next? Mm. Hmm. I, I mean... I've also been reflecting similarly, I guess, over the last little while. And I know if you listened to the Slow Home podcast uh, over the the final couple of years that were very sporadic, you would know um, that my dad went through a period of um, being in hospital. He was in the ICU for like 12 weeks or something back during COVID. Um, Not because of COVID, but during COVID, it was, I think we locked down for the second time when he was in the ICU. So I spent a lot of time away from home. He survived. He has made an incredible recovery um, for anyone who may have missed that. (laughs) Just letting you know, Mm. he's doing great. Um, What that whole process taught me or showed me, and I feel incredibly privileged for lots of reasons to even be able to reflect on it, is, um, you know, my sisters and my mum and I went through a, period where we were letting everyone who my dad knows know what was happening and that meant a lot of phone calls a lot of text messages to a huge number of people my dad yep. knows a lot of people in yep. a lot of different spheres you know through his work through community through everything that he has done um, in his life and I got to see what he meant to so many people mm-hmm. and I like I knew I, this is stuff that I kind of knew in a Hypothetical sense, you know, you kind of know you're aware of things, but you don't know it, you don't see it, you don't hear it. And it was almost like that outpouring of love and appreciation that people sometimes experience at a funeral or after someone passes away, but he didn't pass away. (laughs) You know, like what a a phenomenal privilege. And I think that that is two years on Hmm. is now starting to really percolate into the way that I'm thinking about maybe what I'm going to do in the next season of life you know Mm -hmm. my parents certainly are people who over the years have put themselves um at a disadvantage in order to show up in community you know they will Mm -hmm. sacrifice time and energy and um it's a real call to reflect on what that will look like for me i don't have any answers yeah and that's okay though sure Yeah. yeah yeah I'm okay with not having answers for a while. 
but it is kind of hard for you because you're you're like you would be like no I've got to I've got to get this right and I've got to like I need something to work towards or something mm. to consider like it's not often I don't think that you don't have like this I feel like sometimes you have too many <laughs> yes <laughs> I would agree with that mm. I would agree with that um yeah so you know all of that adds up to the picture I suppose of where we're at. So I agree with you, you know, that you said that one of the pressures you were feeling was that of legacy. Mm. And, you know, part of me again is like, well, we don't need to be thinking about that. Yeah, we're only in our early 40s. But the other part of me is like, well, actually, you know. 10 years, you got to plan 10 years in advance. Sure. That's what we've said. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the big takeout for the sandwich generation. Okay. And that's not just from us either. That's no, from, I mean, that's you know, just from experts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So how can we navigate this sense of pressure? You know, how can we, knowing what we know about the way that we like to live, but also, you know, the things that we've learned over the years or experimented with, with slow living, um, what are some ways that you and I can and perhaps already do or, or are trying to do to help us move through this like transition mm. period? Well, I mean, I did speak about the kids' extracurricular yep. thing. So, like, narrowing that down and, like, prioritising that, which is not only helpful for you, but, like, it gets your kids focused on, like, a few things rather than doing a not good job at everything. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it gets them to prioritise, which is a good life lesson. Some of the writings and articles that I've written, uh, that I've written, that I've read, with the sandwich generation, talk about things like getting a cleaner into like for your parents' house and, you know, it, it just costs money. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, that's not feasible for like majority no. of people. No, like, especially not like now. Just throwing money at like outsourcing different things, right. right? But I guess, you know, for us, it's not trying to do it all, I think is really important, particularly because we're one of four siblings. Each of us are. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so it's sharing that load, mm-hmm. like planning and, and, and having open conversations with everyone about giving them, right, this is the, you know, you're good at this. Mm. Why don't you, you take the reins on mm. that? Whereas, you know, like just giving people roles and responsibilities, I think is really important. But it's also, particularly with my situation and, and how it's, you know, with my dad and how he's got dementia and it's not getting better, right? Like it'll mm. never get better. So it's doing the work now so it's easier in the future. Right. And and that's something that I need to get moving on is, right. is that whole piece. And it's striking that balance, isn't it, between mm. living in the present and enjoying yep. Those, where you're at. Exactly. Um, exactly. And planning for the future but not living in the future. Yep. It's, re- it's really tricky and, yep. I mean, I think for what it's worth, I think you're doing a very good job mm. of doing that. Uh, and I think for me, the biggest takeaway is just talk, just conversations. And that goes for, as you have already covered, you know, if you're looking at your parents, not like I'm not talking about our parents specifically, but if we're looking at down the track at aging parents and ways that we can support them, talking about it ahead of time is so important for everyone. But also just if you're feeling these senses of this sense of pressure in life, having someone, a friend or, you know, a group, like a community group or an online community or something somewhere where you can share how you're feeling and what the pressures are that you're under is so important. It's it's validating. It helps us to recognise that we are by no means alone. You know, if you've got a mate, if you've got like a sibling, if you've got someone online that you can send an email to every couple of weeks just talking about how you're traveling I think that makes an enormous difference because so many of the articles that I read about people experiencing these sorts of pressures it was there was like a a thread of almost um hopelessness to them where it's people like well everyone's feeling the same and you know I'm not asking anyone to help me I'm just it's just hard I just feel alone I'm lonely in this struggle and I think sometimes just sharing the load through conversation and saying, oh, mate, me too, mm. or God, that's hard, or 
let's carve out an hour a month and we can go for a walk together and just have that time where it's just, you know, whatever it might be. I think anything that, that helps us to feel less like, you know, we're getting squashed and no one cares. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also think viewing this kind of period as a transition is so important and recognising that that's what it is. So taking some time maybe to revisit things like priorities, as you said, values, the way that we're spending our time and energy and recalibrating it if we need to. You know, if we're spending our time and energy on things that perhaps used to fit in the previous season of life and, and we keep doing it because that's what we've always done, but maybe it might be time to, to rethink that, mm. you know, and I, I don't think that we can have a fresh start or a clean slate in these instances because we've built ourselves up over those years and years. But, you know, I think that seeing it as an invitation to to question and, yeah, recalibrate, that's probably like a more that's me seeing it through this this the lens of slow living that I often do but I do find that that really helps, helps when we yeah when we reach periods of, of change yep yeah sandwich generation let us know your thoughts I would be really interested yeah, yeah very much so so as always you can find show notes for each of these um, episodes over at the tortoise so if you go to brookmccallery.substack.com that's where you'll find the tortoise. You can just search for episode three up in the um, the search bar. You'll find the show notes and leave a comment and let us know if it's something that you've experienced yourself or um, if you have any insights. I know we have a hugely diverse range of people who listen to the show and read over there. So I know that people have got things that they can share that will be helpful to others. So if you feel like you've got something to offer, please pop in. I shared the concept at a men's table that I'm part of, Sandwich Generation, erased mm -hmm. it, and no one had heard of it before. So that's, again, another reason why I thought it was a good theme for this. I, I don't know mm. how common, you know, common knowledge it is, but, um, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Now, you had an interesting theme that we want to just pick up on really quickly before we – it's our second theme for the episode. Yeah, so usually we reflect on something in the second – Part, yes. And you wanted to talk about two sides of the word community. Right. So I put together like a bit of an introductory post over on the tortoise a few weeks ago where I introduced myself, uh, but also asked people in the comments to let me know what they pictured when we spoke about community. Um, because it's a notion that, I find a lot of tension in. Uh, I say that I, I want it and I do and I believe it's incredibly important. But I also have over the years put myself in a position where I'm trying to develop some kind of community tool or place and I burn out really quick and then I fold it and I feel guilty about it, you know. So I think that perhaps my understanding of community has been unclear maybe yep. yep so anyway i was curious to see what readers and listeners thought of when they pictured community and l there are loads of comments mm. that are brilliant and so heartwarming and life-affirming and i love it and that's why the tortoise is my favorite corner of the internet but um one of the commenters stephanie left a comment that I have not stopped thinking about mm -hmm. and you and I have had several yeah, conversations about it. that's awesome. So I just want to read a part of her comment. Uh, she said, I think for me there are two aspects to community. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's one you can create either online or in person with like-minded people that give you a sense of belonging. And there's also a local aspect to community that you don't always get to choose and where people are not always like-minded being a part of a local community of people living in close proximity, even if that's all you have in common, is important to me. I think perhaps the first kind of community fills you up so you can take part in the second kind, which can often drain you. Community is about give and take. There are aspects that should fill you up 
but also you need to give a part of yourself. I suppose good community is where those balance out. And like that was like a light bulb for me. It's it, it's it's so funny because when you read it, it's like, oh, that's obvious. Like that's the obvious distinction between community. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like when you when you boil it down. But it's expressed so beautifully. That's what, yeah, absolutely. That I just, yeah, it's amazing. So I think that I never made that distinction and I was always confused about why I was so drained by all efforts to build and partake in community. And I think it's because I was looking for the first type in the second. Yeah, square peg, round hole. I, I, that's 100% what it yep. is. Yeah. And it's not to say you can't find them in the same place, but I think my expectation was that I should. Mm. And I don't think that's the case. Mostly, truly. Um, I also think for me, I've been thinking on it a lot. It speaks to... (coughs) It's also something I've been thinking about a lot because it speaks to like how binary and divided society has become where... I think because of technology, because of social media, because of what, you know, the news media has become, it's like us versus them mm. in all, all aspects. You know, it's who you vote for, um, you know, what you think about this issue, how you're going to show up in, you know, in this part of the world, like whatever it is, it's like yes or no, in or out, me versus you. And when you choose to – someone else commented, they're like, I may not vote the same as my neighbours. We may not have the same values. But when they get sick, I show up with casserole. And I love that because – specifically because it challenges that us versus them mentality, that binary mentality. It's really hard to just view someone as someone who votes differently to you when you've stood next to each other at the school sausage sizzle for four hours so true and you've chatted and you've seen them interact with their kids Kids. and you know they're people we're people and like that sounds so basic and you're probably going well yeah duh but i don't think we act like that i know yeah i you know and i think that is because we've become so used to this person over here is worthy of my time and energy and effort because we think alike. This person over here is it's not. not because... We don't. And yeah. because I fundamentally disagree with them on this thing. Yeah, on this particular issue. Right. You know, and... It's I, madness when it, you think, break it down like that. It is, but I actually also think that's why community has broken down in so many ways, yeah. you know. And I don't want to get into this whole, like, pointing the finger at social media thing, but... I will for a second because when you... <laughs> you shake your fist at it. I you will, I will point, angrily shake point my your fist. Fi- finger. Point my feet. Point my feet too. Feet. <laughs> when, you know, people are used to being able to express their opinions on social media, suddenly we know things about people in our community, about their inner thoughts, about their biases, about their values that we wouldn't otherwise know. Mm -hmm. Like if Facebook didn't exist, Mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't know most of those inner thoughts of people. And I don't necessarily know that we need to know those things, you know, all the time. I really don't in light of how divided society feels at the moment. Chicken or the egg, I don't know. But because we do know that, it becomes very easy to put people in boxes. And I think that the more time we spend, even in that draining version of community – you know, showing up at the local fundraiser, giving time at, you know, for the kids' sporting team, working in the school canteen, whatever. I think that that removes so many of those boxes. And to me, that can only be a positive thing. Um, And I think that that's really the alignment of legacy, slow living, paying attention, being, you know, just being a... Good person. person. Mm. Mm. Big community member. Yeah. But then the flip side of it is, okay, how do we identify elements or, or types of community that fill us up? You know, and then you buy, then, then you kind of go back to 
the divided nature of society and people feeling lonely and nervous and not confident in connecting with people they don't know. And so how do we build that? You know, are those cup filling community spaces going to be increasingly online where it's maybe easier to to find like-minded people Mm. I still absolutely I think that we can we can totally do that and I think that you know we should and I think the internet gives us the opportunity to connect a very disparate group of people around you know something that perhaps they're all passionate about but there is also something really valuable in connecting in person it's so true and when you were talking just then I was just thinking about it is so easy to connect with like-minded people online and you know like I'll read a blog about a particular subject and it's my opinion as well right and it's it's easy and it's like yeah and go us and you know you can you write a comment and it's Basically, you're adding to the chorus of comments yep. on the issue, whatever it is, right? It's a theme or a topic or, or, you know, whatever. And that's important and that's cool. And I think deep down you're like, yeah, this is this is a good thing. But it doesn't fill me up like going out and doing a four-hour sausage sizzle or going out and volunteering for mm. a soccer gala day. Mm. It doesn't fill me up like that at all because going out there in the community – uh, in the broader, you know, local community and, and, and working with other people and it's harder. Right. You have to push me a little bit more. It's harder mentally for me to go, oh, okay, I've got to do this. But it fills me up more to do that stuff compared to my other community. Hmm. So how do we prevent burnout? Then, because I think that's the other element to being community-minded, being someone who will put your hand up and say, "Yes, I will," you know, mm. give up my Saturday. For yeah, doing yeah that's this. interesting language that I just use. Give up my Saturday. Yeah, I know, but yeah. that's what it, that's what people say. Sure. And oh, you gave up your Saturday for that? Yeah. Uh, so you know, you, you're someone who is you have that tendency to say yes. You're also someone who will be asked because you have the tendency to say yes. How do we continue to to give in a way that's sustainable? I'm asking. I don't know yet because I haven't <laughs> had a breakdown. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. <laughs> that's my personality though. I, I, it's almost like I'll keep going. I don't know where the end is. I don't know what where that line is. This is a different topic. This now. is very much a different topic. That's my personality, though. It's like I actually don't know how far I can push myself. Do Do you ever feel comfortable saying no? Do I ever feel comfortable saying no? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's hard. Sure. It's hard for both of, of us. To, we're not naturally that way. Getting Getting better. How Some do you things. do it? I get you to do it for me. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. It's one particular situation that we both were thinking about. Um, oh, it, oh, I just, I, I say no in a very, like I just don't have capacity to do that. Like I, I will, you know, that's just what I, I'm like in, in that. I'll, I won't say like no. Sure. Like blunt, I will say. Uh, unfortunately, I can't. I can't do that right now um, because of X, Y, and Z. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's something I still very much struggle with. So, I, I, what I need to do is develop like an answer. You know, um, uh, my friend Kelly Exeter used to say things like something like, uh, "Let me get back to you." Yeah, as great. like the it's buffer. Great. It's a great response. The buffer response. Yeah. And then that just gives you that extra moment, that extra hour or day or whatever to develop an answer that is no, but doesn't feel negative, you know. Yes, yeah. it's the postman, We've got a Joey. little bug, pug, buggy. It's the postman. It's okay. Oh. It's okay. He's not going to hurt you. Jojo, come here. It's all right. It's okay. No. Good boy. 
You're saying you want to say it to the people? Hmm? He's gone quiet now. The postman. And then I think also just recognising in ourselves that we need boundaries. Yeah. You know, and that we need to develop them and then honour them. Again, not something that I'm specifically particularly good at, but being aware of it I think is half the battle. Being aware of our capacity and being aware, going back to like the first part of our conversation, being aware that that will change over time. Our capacity will change over time. Do you know what I mean? Like there are seasons where... Last year, my workload was not nearly as high as it is this year, which by design and also by, you know, having health stuff to deal with, that meant that my capacity at certain times of the year was much higher and I was able to put my hand up in a volunteering community kind of way that I hadn't been able to the year before and yeah. that perhaps I can't this year. You know, so reflecting all, on all of that is important too. Uh, and again... You've got to know yourself, right? As soon as you become resentful, hey, you've gone too far. Yeah. That's the point where you're like, hang on a minute. This is like my eighth weekend in a row of doing this yep. thing. And there's other people that could have... Like getting getting resentful in that community space is... That's a one-way ticket to... Bitter town. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's where noticing, which is one of the big pillars of slowness for me comes into it because you can tap into your own self-awareness. You've got tools that allow you to do that. Go, why do I feel like this ahead of this event or this, you know, thing that I've said yes to? Why do I feel sick or why do I feel angry or why are my shoulders up around my ears? Go, oh, it's because I am feeling taken advantage of or it's because I'm feeling resentful or it's because I'm feeling a bit burnt out. Mm -hmm. Being able to tap into that ahead of time is so helpful because you can then still uncomfortably, still awkwardly, but say, actually, I can't do it this weekend. Actually, I'm having a bit of a health dip at the moment. I cannot make that what event. It, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's maybe where it all comes together is being able to recognize in ourselves when it's gone, as you said, too far yeah. for a minute. It's interesting though. Love the I love the comment the original comment uh, on community. It's yeah. just spot on. It's, I mean it's just you know it's like perfect. Yeah. It's like a genuine epiphany for me. Totally. And I'm sure yeah. that it will have an impact on what I do, you know, yeah. community wise, but also what I do work wise. Because for me, a huge part of my work is developing community. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I know that that's important because I know that there is that element of finding like-minded souls to f- share and feel validated. and Because um, I spoke to someone recently who had tried to slow down. Mm-hmm. And she said it was the loneliest experience of her life because no mm-hmm. one else around her... Was doing the same. ...would or yeah. could yeah. or wanted to or saw the value in it. Yeah. So for me, that's part of the reason why the tortoise exists yeah. is yeah. to be able to create that sense of belonging yep. you are not the lone weirdo out there mm-hmm. mm. but yeah thank you to stephanie for that original comment it's just quite literally blown my mind mm. before we go do you want to talk about a few things okay. how's your one percent going it's yeah i think when i first started i thought it would be a neater <laughs> experiment than it is hallelujah yeah yeah I thought that it would be like, here's my 15 minutes a day of health. Here's my 15 minutes a day or my hour and a half a week of X, Y, and Z. And I can tick those boxes and go, I am improving things by 1%. And that would have completed my experiment for the year perfectly well. And there are days where that still exists, but it's more so, I think I'm really starting to shift my focus into all of the tiny ways that I'm choosing to show up just that little bit extra in life every day. And I really like it. Mm. Like I really like it. It's, you know, taking the extra minute to send a text message when I think of someone, <laughs> let them know I think of them. That's not changing anything quantifiably ever. You'll never be able to measure the impact that that has or doesn't have in life. But we don't know. Mm. We don't know how much a, 
of an impact that text message like that that little dopamine hit that I got you know that serotonin boost that that connection I don't know all of those happiness hormones or happiness brain neurotransmitters um how that then impacted my choices and behavior for the following day how that impacted my sense of feeling like I belong in a community because I'm down at the coffee shop and I see my friend and we've got that slightly you know stronger bond because I sent her that message like it's all of those invisible threads that I see as my one percents and it's been really interesting to most mornings I get up and I'll write in my logbook from the day before and I'm just trying to keep a track of all of those tiny little choices that I made that might have been slightly different or slightly elevated to what I would normally have done if I was just sitting in my default mode and it's really cool to see certain threads continue to pop up Hmm. community uh, relationships connection are big for me at the moment which is interesting because i would say that that's probably one of my weaker spots yeah so it's interesting that without any any um like overt effort spoken ahead of time that keeps coming up yeah. What about you? Oh, my six-day work week's going great. <laughs> um, <laughs> really struggled with the four-day work week. Oh, feels like a pipe dream. Hey, I I, I just haven't I haven't set set it up um, in a way that um, is doable at the moment. And I'm talking about the way that I've set up my work arrangements. Mm. And I can't see that changing for the next sort of, say, six months. Mm. But come back to me in December and I hope to have put in a better framework for what a four-day work week looks like. It's I know I said to it, I, I said I, I started in April. and It's hard. Oh, yeah. For being self-employed and working with a number of clients. It's just, it's really hard, coupled with my inability to say no. Mm-hmm. It's interesting yeah. though. So, like, when, if you go back to that episode of the of the pod where we yep. spoke at length about the four day work week, yep. everyone to the letter said, and these were mm. none of them were self employed, like yeah. small business owners. Yeah. These or people they trialed it, and yep, yeah, they trialed it. Yep. They like quite a number of people said something to the effect of it was six months of six day weeks yeah. in order to set up a four day week. Yeah. You know, and you're trying to make all of these I guess changes that's what I'm doing, on your yeah. own yeah. and you're in that process now. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that, you know, you're frustrated and you're aware of what you're up against means that your your head's in that space. It's just the logistics of it that are yeah. take it fe- time. It's, you know, it's May and it feels further away than it did when, it, when I spoke about it in February, March. Mm. February, March, we were living in the afterglow of the new year. You know, it's still the beginning of the year, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry to tell you, but it's not. Oh, it's crazy. This mm. year's just absolutely nuts. So yeah, it's um, it's a work in progress, and 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 not much to update on on a in a positive sense. But I'm in the trend. Uh, you know, I'm going through the process and and trying to trying to trying to still build out what that looks like on a practical sense. Mm. And I've had like a lot of people say, you know, someone I work really close with, and we work on a number of clients together and Andy said to me, he's like, I'm not going to bother you on a Friday because that's Mm. your, so I'm like, you know, that's not like just that single conversation has given me sort of hope, right? Mm. That it can be done, Mm -hmm. but just not now and the way that I'm romanticized about it back in, in, in February. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? The reality of it is always going to be vastly different to, our perception. Yeah, exactly. Before we go, you want to talk about rhythms? Oh, yeah, really briefly. Uh, I'm actually running a rhythms mini retreat over on the tortoise for all paying subscribers. It starts on the 21st of May. Uh, it just runs for two weeks. And it's really just taking you through the process of, I guess, what I mean when I talk about creating rhythms, um, why it's important how to develop your own rhythms for your morning, your evening, perhaps your weeks, seasonal rhythms. Uh, And it's just a a hands-on practical kind of two-part workshop retreat uh, that 
I'd love for people to come and take part in. Um, if you're listening to this after the 21st of May, it's it's going to be there, you know, available for all uh, all paying subs over on the tortoise. And similarly, we'll probably reflect on a previous workshop that I ran a few months ago, all about values, where you know I took people through the process of identifying their personal values and looking at how we can use them to make decisions and, uh, you know, move forward through yeah. the, these periods of transition and change. Yeah. With, you know, your values kind of front and centre. It's something that you and I have done and probably need to do again, to be perfectly honest. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. But, I mean, head over to the tortoise. I publish a letter every Thursday or Friday every week that is freely available to everyone. The podcast lives over there. And then there's the, you know, quarterly workshops and retreats uh, for paying subscribers if you wanted to support the podcast and my work in that way. Really, again, as we said at the top of the show, really appreciate all the comments, reviews, mm-hmm. ratings Absolutely. that everyone's left. A bit of an insight into my personality. It, you're not posting on it in on LinkedIn as much, not nearly as much anymore. LinkedIn? Sorry, what did I say LinkedIn? I don't know. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, no, once a month. Once a month. And so I used to like going on and, and seeing people's reactions to episodes. Right. Like, you know, when you used to do one per episode, yep. right? Like, and I'd go on and, you know, so I missed that interaction. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> not at all. It, But I, that's why I, I think I, I'm more, even more appreciative of people that are leaving. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. And until we are next in your ears, take good care.